listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Final Four. Not too much to break down here, but we're going to talk a little more college basketball, what the NIL has done to these remaining teams. We're going to talk about something that I didn't even realize went on with Alabama in their three games in the tournament. We're going to look at the NBA standings. Things are getting still very hairy in the Western Conference as the Dallas Mavericks do everything they can to absolutely take a dump on their whole season. And Major League Baseball opening day is two days away. How about that? And no one cares. We'll get to all that momentarily. So just wanted to start out with this. I am back home. I am back in Texas, and I don't have another trip planned until the beginning of June. So not going to hear. When I listened back to yesterday's podcast, definitely sounds a little hollow because I'm in my hotel room. just has a different sound around it, and obviously I'm recording into my phone and not a microphone. Now I'm back on my microphone. I'm back in my little mini studio here, and everything works great. And it's just so much more comfortable doing it at home. Yes, I can produce shows on the road. It just takes longer because I'm on my laptop and things have to be done differently. On my laptop, takes me longer, uh, but I'll always have a show out, so you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, I don't leave. I don't leave again until Thursday morning, June first. So Friday, June second's daily roundup in Sports Daily. And Monday, the 5th, will be from Vegas as well. But other than that, I've got that trip, and then my 30-year high school reunion's at the end of July. So I've got that trip. But other than that, don't really have any plans this summer to be doing any traveling. So anyway, let's get started here. One thing I wanted to correct from yesterday, a couple things, actually that I wanted to correct from yesterday. Again, when I'm on the road and I'm not looking at stuff as, I don't know, as eagle-eyed as I should, I'll mispronounce names here and there. UConn sharpshooter Jordan Hawkins. I called him Justin Hawkins yesterday. My apologies for that. The other thing that I also brought up, was the fact that this was the first time since 19 – this was the first time ever. I said it's the first time ever that three teams are making their debut in the Final Four. San Diego State, never been there. FAU, never been there. Miami, never been there. Three out of your Final Four teams have never been to the Final Four before, and I said that's the first time ever. Actually, that was wrong. It happened one other time. In 1970, your Final Four was St. Bonaventure, New Mexico State, Jacksonville, and UCLA. We all know what team was there before, and that was UCLA. But, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up. I think one of the things that has gone – it hasn't gone unnoticed, but it's definitely been out there online. It's just a matter of if you follow it or not, is we all know how the NIL has now worked. College kids can now be paid. Now, the way it's being done is not the way the NCAA drew it up. Basically, what they were saying was, now you can go work for a car dealership or have your face plastered all over a car dealership to help sell cars. You can 
make money off your name, image, and likeness. That's what NIL stands for, name, image, and likeness. You can sell jerseys. You can make money off those jerseys. You can start a podcast and get paid for a podcast. You can sell merchandise like Drew Timmy does on his website. For Gonzaga, he sold, he sold merchandise, hoodies, uh, fake mustaches, all that stuff. You can make money. As of, I think it was, what, two years ago, a year and a half ago, whenever NIL started. And you were allowed to now make money for the longest time. You couldn't because you were getting room and board paid for, and then you would get a stipend, but it wasn't even enough for people to live off of. And people say, like, oh, my gosh, these kids are getting their whole four years paid for. Why do they need money? Well, it's because most of them couldn't even afford dinner on Friday and Saturday nights couldn't go out on dates because you're not given any spending money. Yes, your stuff is paid for, but your stipend was so small. And it didn't make any sense, especially if you play college basketball or college football. Because we see the numbers in college football. We see how much the Rose Bowl pays out, the Orange Bowl pays out, the Sugar Bowl pays out, the National Championship game pays out. The players saw none of that money. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous for all these years that the players saw none of that money, yet... That's who people are tuning in to watch. I mean, really, when you think about it, you didn't tune in to watch the coaches. You watched the players. And if, you know, I'm just picking any. Peyton Manning played at Tennessee. Granted, I'm sure. Look, I'm not naive to think that players weren't being paid under the table and boosters weren't giving these players money because they certainly were. I'm talking about legally. They were not allowed to legally hold a job down while they were in college. Couldn't get paid. Couldn't make any extra bucks here and there. Did they make money from boosters who gave them money? Absolutely they did. I'm not stupid to think that they didn't. However, they weren't legally allowed to make any money. But Peyton Manning, quarterback of the Tennessee Volunteers, probably had a hundreds of thousands jerseys sold in the student store with his, with his name on it. You know how much he saw of that? Nothing. Now you can make money off that. And... However, what the problem now has become with name, image, and likeness is the fact that they're not saying, while you can still do all that stuff, hey, start a podcast, make some money, get a job, make some money. Basically, the schools with the most booster money are just saying, come to our school and we'll just pay you. And that's where this thing is falling off the rails because now it's just a bidding war of you don't even have to do anything. They're just giving kids money to come to their school, and it's going to be who's got the most money. And, yes, that part is unfair, and it's going to basically weed out the group of five schools. They're never going to be able to compete because they don't have the money and the deep pockets like the SEC schools do and some of the big 12 schools like Texas. And, you know, it's – well, now Texas is going to the SEC, but you know what I mean? Big Ten schools, Ohio State boosters, Michigan boosters, they're basically just like, yes, you can come to our school, and yes, you can now make money legally, but we're also basically going to pay you $50,000, $100,000 a year to come to our school because we know you're a great athlete. you know. And that's what it's become. That's where the NCAA has totally screwed this up, and I don't know if it's ever going to be able to get back on track because once we're already down this road, which we certainly are, There are players leaving and transferring and going into the transfer portal and just looking for the best deal that they can get. That's what they're doing. They don't care about the school. They're seeing who can give them the most money to come to their school. And unfortunately, that's the way it's working now. And it just sucks. However, 
this NCAA tournament, did you see some of the numbers behind it? Of all the teams in the Elite Eight, the eight Elite Eight teams, so roughly 40 starters for the eight Elite Eight teams, 19 of them were transfers, 16 of them were seniors, and one true freshman. I don't know where the other four were, but that's 36 of the 40 starters. 19 transfers and 16 seniors and one true freshman. So maybe this is an anomaly, and next year we go back to, oh, whoever gets the best freshman is going to win the national championship or going to at least go far and are going to represent, you know, in the Final Four. We had none of the Blue Bloods, no Duke, no Kentucky, no North Carolina, no Kansas in, in the Sweet 16 this year. And... I think that there could be something to this. I don't know if it's going to be this is going to be the way it is every year. Probably not. But I think it's refreshing that we're seeing teams left right now. Miami against UConn. FAU against San Diego State. And most of these kids, the other thing, there's not one McDonald's All-American. Not one former McDonald's All-American is playing in the upcoming Final Four. None of the Final Four teams have a top 30 recruit. The highest recruit that's playing in any of the games this weekend is Donovan Klingon. The backup center for UConn was ranked 37th. No McDonald's All-Americans playing next weekend. Now, you might say that, well, we want to see the best players play. I, Yeah, but... I don't really care. I, I love this. I love that UConn is playing Miami and FAU is playing San Diego State. I, I fucking love it. Because I don't think it's going to be this way every year. I really do think we're going to get some years where it's back to the Blue Bloods are going to dominate. This is an anomaly, I think. But doesn't necessarily mean it's an anomaly to where these schools that have fourth-year seniors, fifth-year seniors with COVID and stuff like that, don't make it till at least, you know, Elite Eight, maybe Final Four. I really enjoy what has happened this year in the tournament. I'll be tuning in. Is it probably going to draw the greatest ratings for college basketball? No, it probably won't, especially if you have a UConn FAU national championship. It's just name value alone. It's just not going to. But I'll be tuning in. One thing, because I was out of town last weekend and this weekend, and while I did watch the games and follow along statistically, I did not realize how bad Brandon Miller from Alabama was. I mean, this kid was probably going to be second in the voting for player of the year in college basketball behind Zach Eady. Do you realize that Brandon Miller went 8 for 41 in Alabama's three games? That's 19.5% shooting. He went 0 for 5 in their first game and didn't even score against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, a 16 seed. Then he came back in round two and went 5 for 17. And then against San Diego State on Friday, he went 3 for 19. 8 for 41, 19.5% shooting Alabama out of the tournament. Do I think this is going to hurt his draft stock? No. He's still going to be a top three pick. But I had no idea how bad he was in those three games. And I don't know why he, I mean, it just kind of goes to show again, anything can happen. 
one game, two games, you just play poorly, and that's like very poor. You know, for Brandon Miller to dominate the SEC the way he did this year as a true freshman, you can't. And I don't think it had anything to do with the incident and him him being asked about it because we saw the day after the story broke, he hit a game winner and scored almost forty points. So I I don't think it like all of a sudden just got to him. He's had a bad three games, eight for forty one. Jesus. Still a great player, but he's pretty much the main reason Alabama isn't playing anymore. Uh, your best player goes 8 for 41 and shoots less than 20%. In your three tournament games, you're probably not lasting unless somebody else stepped up big time, and nobody did for Alabama. Shit, they went 3 for 27 from three-point range against San Diego State. And if you take San Diego State's two regional games against Alabama and against Creighton, they held those teams combined to 5 for 44 from three-point range. That is incredible. 5 for 44? Last time I checked, that's a little over 10%. <laughs> that is some clamp-down defense. So all the credit in the world goes to San Diego State. No, I did not like the fact that they advanced on a touchy-touch foul. But give them credit. They are now playing for the chance to go to the national championship, and they have to beat a nine seed in FAU to do it. All right, let's move on over to the NBA for a little bit. Um, while I was gone and out of town, the Dallas Mavericks are completely imploding. The Dallas Mavericks were sitting there in that jumbled mess that was the Western Conference between the sixth seed and the tenth seed. And, you know, they were a game and a half out of here, but they were also two games out of being out of the whole playoff race. And then they had back-to-back games against the Charlotte Hornets. For those that don't know, the Charlotte Hornets are horseshit. The Charlotte Hornets have three guys averaging over 20 points, and none of them played this past weekend. They're out. They're hurt. Charlotte is trying to lose. They are trying to enter themselves in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. They would love to get that kid. Anybody would. But going into this weekend, the Charlotte Hornets were 23-51. and 51. Can't do the math. That's 28 games under 500. Going into this weekend, the Dallas Mavericks were 36-37. and 37. They were one game under 500, but still had a chance to move up in the standings, playing a team 28 games under 500. You play them at home Friday night and played them on the road on Sunday. They got booed off their home court Friday night as they literally fell behind by 20 in the first half. Made a comeback, still lost. So you're like, okay. And by the way, it was the biggest upset in the NBA this year. Dallas Mavericks were a 16-point favorite Friday night at home against the Charlotte Hornets and lost by eight. So you're like, okay. Bad game. They're all pros. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night in the NBA, which is true. Should you lose at home to a team that is 28 games under 500 and missing their top three scorers? No. You should blow them out. But as I've told you all season about the Mavericks, I've never had any confidence in them. They don't have a rim defender. They don't play any defense, and they just try and outscore you. The Kyrie trade has done absolutely nothing for them. They're 7-13 and 13 since they traded for him. And when Luka and Kyrie play at the same time, they're under 500. So clearly that trade did absolutely nothing for them. But anyway. They lose Friday night at home to Charlotte, and you're like, okay, well, okay. We got our chance to get our revenge against them two days later 
in Charlotte. Charlotte still without their top three scorers, and they fell behind by 18 in the first quarter. I mean, this is this is awful. Like, if I'm the Mavericks right now, I don't even try and make the playoffs. I know they're going to. I, I mean, they're going to try. I don't know if they're going to make it because they have to rely on other teams now. Because they could, I mean, even if they went out, they still might not get in. They probably will if they went out. But if they just lost back-to-back to the Charlotte Hornets, a team that's 28 games under 500, and now they've only got seven games left in the season, and those seven games are against, well, let's see here. Who do they play in their next seven games? I mean, I they play at Indiana. I'm recording this before the Indiana game starts. At Philly, at Miami, at Atlanta. All playoff teams except Indiana. Then they're home against Sacramento, Chicago, and San Antonio. They could go 1-6 and six based on the way they're playing right now. They're terrible on the road to begin with, and four of those seven games are on the road. So I don't know what they're going to do, but they are a complete embarrassment and probably the biggest underachievers in the Western Conference. Now sitting 36-39. and 39, they're three games under 500. They're one game out of the 10th spot. They're a game and a half out of the 8th spot. They're two games out of the 7th spot, two and a half out of the 6th spot. Like, they can finish anywhere between 6 and 10 and at least get in the play-in game. But I have no hope. Even if they get and they win a play-in game and they, and they end up being the 8th seed, they're not beating the Denver Nuggets in a series. We all know this. They don't play a lick of defense. So, not... Dallas Mavericks are one and done if they even make the playoffs this year. But craziness going on in the Western Conference. The Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron back now. They're sitting in the ninth spot, which means they would play the Oklahoma City Thunder if the season ended right now. And if they lost to them, their season would be over. If they beat them, they play the loser of the 7-8 and eight game, and that would be for the eighth seed. So the Lakers aren't in the playoffs yet either. Right now, Phoenix is the four, Clippers are the five, Golden State is the six, but Golden State only has a half-game lead over Minnesota and a one-game lead over New Orleans Pelicans. So it's still all bundled bundled up. It's going to go up until the last day of the season. What a – the Western Conference is just – I'm just scratching my head at, at how bad and average these teams are. The Eastern Conference – They've at least got four teams at the top. Milwaukee, 53 wins. Celtics, 52. Sixers, 49. The Cavs, 48. In the West, you've got Denver at 50, Memphis, 47, and Sacramento, 45, and no one else has over 40. The fourth-place team in the Western Conference is only four games over 500, and that's Phoenix. They will do better down the stretch because they are getting Kevin Durant back, but yeah, what what a uh, the West is going to be so bizarre coming down the stretch. And the thing that I wanted to end with today, Major League Baseball opening day is this Thursday. As you know, I was in California this past weekend. That was for my fantasy baseball draft. I go out for it every year, and you don't want to hear about my team that I drafted because even though it's probably the greatest r- fantasy team ever assembled, uh, you don't need to hear about it. You don't want to know. I drafted a lot of Texas Rangers. That's all you needed to know because I didn't do a lot of homework, and I was just like, okay, I know some of the Rangers, so I'll, I'll just take them. But Major League Baseball opening day in two days. The whole league plays, I believe. Yep, everyone plays. 30 games. I'm sorry. 30 teams, 15 games this Thursday. I believe that's the first time that's ever happened where everybody starts on the same day. 
Thursday, March 30th. Everybody plays. Let's see what interleague matchups we have. Uh, San Francisco, the Giants play the Yankees. The Brewers play the Cubs. Why am I already forgetting? Brewers in the American League? Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, the Rangers play the Philadelphia Phillies. That's an interleague game. You've got, let's see, Toronto Blue Jays playing at St. Louis. That's an interleague matchup. And that's pretty much it for interleague matchups. So everybody opens up on Thursday. And then and then there's only five games on Friday of game two of those series. And then everyone's back at it on Saturday and Sunday. So Major League Baseball opening day. Like I said, I I have a hard time getting fired up for baseball anymore. I will be tuning in just to see the pace of the games and to see how fast they go with these new rules. I think you should too, just to check it out, because those of you who have, who have thought, man, baseball is just so boring, it really isn't anymore. At least of what I saw in spring training, games go by really quick. Pitcher doesn't get the ball back and get to walk around the mound and scratch his nuts and play with the rosin bag anymore. It is get the ball back, take one breath, and then just get into your motion either from the stretch if a runner's on base or get into your windup and fire that thing because you only have 15 seconds if nobody's on base and 20 seconds if someone is on base. So I will check that part out, but... Because just baseball, the way it is right now, and just the way they don't market their players very well, and the pace of it, even though it is being sped up, there's not a lot of action. Obviously, there's no hitting. You know, there's no three pointers and stuff like that to where basketball is, you know, more fast paced. Obviously, football, a lot more hitting and stuff like that. I just, I don't know if baseball will ever get to back to what it was in the 80s. But. You know, I still follow it peripherally. I won't really start paying attention to it till after the All-Star break because I'll be following NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs in April, May, and June. And then those will end in June. July rolls around. Second or third week of July is the All-Star game. And then I'm like, okay, I'll pay a little attention to baseball. But then that's when NFL camps open up. So, yeah, baseball's got a real problem on their hands. I don't know how they fix it. I definitely think they need to to reduce the amount of games in a season. They don't need to play 162. But baseball is a sport that's all about numbers. And the second you cut games, you know, it's just going to be like, oh, well, this guy hit this many home runs, but he did it in 154 games or whatever they go to, 148, 154, 152, whatever the case may be. And it's just baseball loves their statistics, and um, that might prevent them. But do you really need to play 162 games? And then, again, like I say for most regular seasons, what does it matter if you have the best record during the regular season? It doesn't. It matters who gets hot during the playoffs. And so many times, the team with the best record in Major League Baseball does not end up winning the World Series. Just like last year, the Los Angeles Dodgers ran roughshod through all of baseball, and then they lost three out of four games to the Padres, and they were done. Played four postseason games, after dominating for 162. That's what I mean. Is that good? Is that bad? Some people can argue either way. So 
I'm someone that is fine with the baseball playoffs. I just know going in, I don't give a shit what you did in the regular season. It does not matter because anybody, especially in a five-game series, can lose three out of five. You can go two and three over the course of a five-game series. Hell, the Dodgers didn't even go two and three. They went one and three and were out by the Padres. So we'll see what happens going forward. But um, baseball starts in two days. How about that? Maybe you didn't even know, and I just reminded you. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Again, let's get this podcast out to as many people as we can. Thank you for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!